welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Liz. And I'm Holly. And we are very excited tonight uh, to have a special guest on, uh, which is going to be the author Jason Rekulek, um, who wrote Hidden Pictures, and he will be joining us in just a short moment. But before that, let's jump straight in with Bookish Buzz. So uh, the first one is really quite a, a good news for anyone who's an Emily Henry fan. So 3,000 Pictures is adapting uh, Emily Henry's People We Meet on Vacation and Brett Haley, who also um, directed a film called All the Bright Places, is going to direct. So that's really exciting. You've read that book, haven't you? You read it last year, didn't you? I did. I read it um, about a year and a half ago. So last, not this past summer, but the summer before. It was my first Emily Henry book. And uh, I have the unpopular opinion of not particularly enjoying it as much as everybody else did um i just i you know i'm not a huge friends to lovers fan um and i Mm. just i don't know i mean i liked the concept i liked the traveling aspects of the book i will still watch the movies partially because i read the book and i'm i'm always interested in book to movie adaptations but um it wasn't it wasn't one of my favorite books have you read it yet I haven't known the only one I've read by Emily Henry is Book People and I Book really Lovers. That one, that was Book Lovers, yeah, yeah, Book Lovers. That was I really enjoyed that one. Oh, I loved that um, one, but I haven't read it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean, I'm excited. Do you did did you know? Um, do you know if it's like picked up by a streaming service to to adapt it, or is it going to be like a big theater, big screen release? Uh, I don't know. Because I know, like, there's so much popularity right now with streaming services and, um, you know, and the difference. And sometimes it's like it gets released in both places, like, especially things that come out on, like, Disney Plus. You can either go see it in the theater or see it. Um, Wait, did I add this one onto the document then? I don't remember. (laughs) 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 We we plan for our shows, you know, you know, a month in advance sometimes. So I don't know. I was just curious. We mentioning as like, yeah, I'm I'm having a look. I'm seeing. Okay, because then I'm like, Uh, we probably should have prepared a little bit better for this because now it's like, um, is it going to be like on Amazon Prime? Is it going to be on Netflix? you know, is it coming out in 2023, um, 2055? When you know, when are when are we releasing the sucker? Um, but I don't right. think it's yeah. I don't think it says anything about where it's being streamed or anything. So maybe it's just a normal film, yeah. normal cinema release. And maybe it's pretty early in the um the, the news of it and yeah. planning pieces of it. So all right, well we'll have to like just watch for more information coming out about that one. So watch this space. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay. So it is currently November. I cannot believe it's already November, but it is. And so with November comes the NaNoWriMo. um, So the National Novel Writing Month, for those of you who um, don't like acronyms. So Liz, are you participating? I am. Um, I had a bit of a, a rough start to the month and I just couldn't think really of any ideas um, for the first two days. And I was, was seriously considering not taking part. But then 
I think I'm about on the third, I just got like an idea in my head and just started writing. So yeah, no, I've I am taking part. I have put my name down on the website again and then actually seen my uh, my last one, which I managed to complete it somehow um, eight years ago in 2014. Oh, wow. Uh, so that was, yeah, I managed to get all 50,000 words done. But then when I looked at my word count each day, I'm thinking, don't know if I'm going to be able to get 50,000 words done <laughs> um, this, this time, because I think I did something crazy, like two to three thousand words a day. And yeah, uh, it's just crazy. But yeah, I, I'm taking part and I've started um obviously way behind schedule but it's only the fifth so that's time yeah. to catch up so what is uh what what kind of story are you writing uh mine's just going to be like a, a women women's literature so it's just going to be kind of like a uh kind of contemporary fiction and i'm going with what we discussed before about oh, yeah. and having the main character as having having it because i just feel like it's a massive it's one of those things which just isn't represented in any fiction that i've ever read or heard of um i mean there's loads of diseases and conditions out there which have are underrepresented but mm-hmm. having kind of personal experience with it is something that's easier to talk about and easier to kind of I know about it, so yeah. it's easier to write about. <laughs> I think it's um, always easier yeah. to write about something that you you have that personal connection and personal experience with because it makes it more authentic, and then if it's more authentic to yeah. you, it's going to come across that way to the reader and to the words you put on the paper. So, um, No, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be kind of like a, a journey of kind of self-discovery and like learning to to accept herself the way she is and basically like imperfections and all, and all kind of thing. Oh, I so, love that. I'll be a bit of romance in there. <laughs> uh, ha- of course, has to be. <laughs> of course. It's, com- it's contemporary fiction. It always has to have romance. Yeah. Um, how about you? You're taking part this year, aren't you? I am taking part. And I, so I tried to do this um, maybe three years ago. Uh, I, two years ago. I don't, I can't remember if it was the, um, if it was 19 or if it was 20, like right around COVID. Um, and I did the whole like signing up on the website and doing all that. And it's just, I, you know, I want to do it and I'm participating, but I kind of like do, mm-hmm. I like doing things on kind of my own terms. Um, yeah. and like, I, I get why, you know, it's like, here's something that's going to hold you accountable. It's, it's, you know, get your 50,000 words. Um, yeah. I like just the more, the more of the idea that, you know, it's going on and I can kind of participate because yeah. I can like, it makes sense, but I just am, I'm trying not to put pressure on myself because, you know, like you, I kind of have, um, a busy start to the month, but you know, I just, you know, my, my day job is I've been working 14, mm-hmm. you know, 14 to 16 hour days, most, most days. So it doesn't give me a lot of time to write when I, without neglecting my, uh, my family. So, yeah. um, so there are days I'm not writing. Um, I'm trying to, tr- yeah. you know, write about, you know, somewhere between a thousand and 1500 words when I do sit down to write. Uh, but I just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be nice to myself and not hold, myself to too many expectations and um you know yeah. I I've been wanting to start this this story for a while I've had a lot of ideas in my head and so um, a couple months ago I had people vote on a bunch of first sentences I'd written for all the different story ideas I had and people voted so that's the one I'm writing uh and it's 
you know, it's funny because we've interviewed a lot of authors on this podcast and like, you know, we're getting ready to, to interview another one in a little bit Yeah, that, you know, we're both like just super stoked to talk to. Um, but a lot of the, we always ask the question, what advice do you have for someone who, you know, like an aspiring writer? And they always are like, just, just start, just start writing, just, write, yeah. just get words down. And it's been really funny because I started, when I started typing, um, my story, like, I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday, I didn't have character names. I didn't have names of like where they lived. I, I just, I had nothing. I had an I character. Yeah. And so like, I'm trying, I'm typing, I'm like, oh, I need, I need to figure out a name. So then I'm like trying to figure out cool names. And so it took me like, you know, forever to, to get, through, to get through my evening of writing. Cause I just hadn't planned anything. And then as I'm going, it's just like the words are just like things are just happening. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess I'll do that. And it's just like, and so it's like writing itself. And I'm like, yeah, let's just see where it goes. Um, but that's exactly what I'm like because I'm I can't I like I can plan, but the chances are if I plan, it will st- still completely change from what mm-hmm. I've done. I much prefer just to kind of get pen to paper and just see what comes out kind of thing and see where the story goes because I find that yeah as you say as it, as it goes along it's almost like the characters kind of develop by themselves mm-hmm. kind of it, it they they move the story along mm-hmm. um I started writing yeah about the same time as you but maybe Thursday or Wednesday and once I got it that once I started it just it felt a lot easier it's that physical first step of actually starting to get the story down but once you start it yeah I just found it so much easier to get it down and like you I don't realistically I don't I'm not gonna push myself to 50,000 words for November because it's just really difficult to do I think I wasn't working and in, in the year that I did completed it oh. <laughs> um, yeah but I think using this month as almost like a motivation as almost like an inspiration that other people are writing and it's yeah as you say it's just easy as like a little push but without the pressure of I have to write 2,000 words a day or I'm not going to succeed yeah because I think today because we record on Saturdays show drops on Monday so it's Saturday which is the fifth so and I think you know on day five I don't know if I'm going to get a lot of writing done today because I have a busy day. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm just under 3,000 words right now is where I'm at. But I'm mm-hmm. further along than I have ever been. So like you, wow. getting as much done as, you know, as we can, as we feel good doing by yeah. the end of the month, I'm hoping that I'll be far enough into the story and invested in the characters and what's happening that I'm not going to want to stop. And then I'll just keep going at exactly, the, yeah. the pace that I'm going at. And, you know, definitely. It's not like I'm like, I have to have this book done by, you know, February 1st. Yeah, we don't have agents yet. Yeah, so if any agents are listening, you know, we will totally, you know, talk to you and listen to your pitch. So For a decent advance, we'll also stick to a deadline as well. Yes. You know, and if that advance could be enough to live off of so I could quit my day job, then I could get the book done sooner. Just saying. Yeah. That's true. Exactly. Uh, and I would like, so I'm writing more of like a fantasy. Um, 
So I would like my my dream is always to been to write a series or like a trilogy. So so nice. there you go, agents. For those of you listening, I'm I'm looking at giving you three books. <laughs> well, they want a multi book deal coming. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um. So yeah, but uh, somebody else had asked me if I was uh, registered on the site, and I hadn't. But um, I might go back in and just. I was going to say, if you're already, um, if you signed up to it last time, then you'll still be on the site because I've still got my login from, like, I think I first signed up to it in 2013 and I don't think I wrote much to it. like a couple of thousand <laughs> words. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's quite funny looking back. Oh, and my username is um, journo88. Oh. It was like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I was like, fresh I... out of uni. <laughs> yeah, because I know that I'm signed up because I still get all the emails, and so um, yeah, I just haven't been back on the site to like, you know, I I don't know, like to re-engage with it for this year or whatever. But yeah, um, all right. Well, I can't wait when we record again for our December episode to um, exactly talk about exactly watch this space for um yeah. <laughs> so where 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 we ended up with our word count. So, all right, we'll exactly. see. So stay tuned. That's right. Uh, so, <clears throat> on to the next thing. And this isn't really news. This is more us finally being able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that is where the Cordes thing moving. Um, it finally came to digital. So, I managed to watch it about a week ago now. About um, time. Now, <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Um, so, this was an interesting one because, obviously, the book um, came out, what, about three, four years ago now? Mm-hmm. It was quite a while ago. Um, I really enjoyed it. I read it. Um, actually, I read it pretty much similar time to when I first joined Bookstagram, and I really enjoyed it. But Holly, you weren't quite as keen where you of the book. I didn't mind the book. Just Kaya, I had a love-hate relationship with. She drove mm. – her character drove me crazy like she just I just mm, she just drove me crazy but I liked the story and I I liked certain aspects of her but yeah she was kind of annoying at times I liked the setting I really liked the kind of the setting and the time period Mm -hmm. um because it was just different from what we've usually read what we've usually um what well yeah what we usually read and that was my favorite but, part of the movie okay. was the setting. I loved how yeah. they they picked such a beautiful setting um, because it really mm. did, you know, depict the marsh, and it was it was beautiful to see it on screen. Definitely, yeah. I would like. I wanted to live in her her cabin. I thought oh. it was like so nice. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, 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 and I think that's the other piece about like the movie. And I think we briefly talked about this over the summer when I had first seen it. Um, mm. Was you know some of the stuff was just too nice for mm. what was you know described in the book. Like she was too clean all the time. Like she much too clean. Yeah, and then you saw like clothes that she was wearing, and it was all really nice clothes when really i mean you looked at you saw her as a a kid and she was wearing like ratty dungarees and Mm -hmm. she was dirty and that's how you expect her you expected her to be as a grown-up because all she did to earn living is um pick up mussels collect mussels and sell them to the the shop so yeah no it was it was too hollywood yeah, and like um, in that and, respect. And the scene <laughs> the scene in the movie where she's in town and she runs into um 
what's his face? Not Tate, because that's the one she ends up with. What's the other guy's name? I mean, it's C, doesn't it? it could... I can't okay. remember. But but the the, the stupid yeah. guy, the guy who's like you know using her and whatever. Um, when yeah. she when she runs into him in town and she realizes that he's engaged to to Pearl or whatever her name was, you know they are for that time period. They are the sophisticated, wealthy. You can see that in them, yeah. but. With her right beside them, she there wasn't there there like she could very yeah. well have just been anybody else who lived in town who you know may not be as yeah. wealthy but still put together and it's just like the contrast between her and the townspeople just yeah it wasn't as different and separated as I think it should have been. No, I completely agree. I mean, in the book, that was portrayed a lot better that she was kind of this kind of outcast and this dirty kind of um very unfashionable person whereas the clothes you wore were actually pretty fashionable yeah so i thought that the story was was pretty good they stuck they stuck to the book mostly um obviously they changed like a few details here and there which is always to be expected but i thought the story they yeah they stuck they stuck to the story really well um setting as you say was i thought that was really good um but, I mean, what did you think overall? I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. My husband, obviously, he that's not a book he would have read. But he did go see the movie with me. And he enjoyed the movie. He thought it was a good movie. Um, you know, it's uh, – I thought it, it did well to keep to the, the the integrity of the book. And that's something that I think, yeah. you know, as as book lovers, we really like to see – sometimes it's staying true to the book because we fall in love with the book. Uh, and we always know that you can't take, you know, a three to 400 page book and translate every single word to the screen. It just, you can't have a 10 hour yeah. movie. Um, so yeah, I liked, I liked the movie cause you know, I did like the plot. I thought there were a couple areas that were rushed. Um, especially towards the yeah. end with the, when you actually see how everything kind of comes to be and, the mm. you know the closing arguments and the kind of that piece of the of the trial i think some of those pieces were a little bit more rushed than they could have been and other areas were extended that probably didn't need to be yeah uh you know i think that they did a good job with tate and kaya's relationship um you know no, definitely so but overall i thought it was a really good movie yeah no definitely and I, I mean it's such a risk changing adapting a, a book into a film because we've seen so many times where it's just gone wrong and you just you just think why did they do that and it's very very rare that the, the film is better than the, the book I mean I can probably name if I had to think about it maybe two if that uh, but again this one it, the book is better than the movie but the movie is still a fun watch yep. it's still a, a good watch I would agree all right, moving on. So there's just kind of three more little things that have been going on that we're just going to kind of quickly highlight. Um, and, of course, I have to mention this one because last month we had made a bet about um, Colleen Hoover and when she would, you know, not have a monopoly in the top five. And we were both wrong, but Liz was closer, so she gets the win on that bet. <laughs> and then we made a bet about who was going to win the Booker Award. 
And Liz picked, I can't remember what the name of the book was that you, oh, Glory. You picked the book Glory. Um, That's the one, yeah. Yep. And it, because you, because if I remember correctly, you said, (laughs) quote, I like the goat because there was a goat on that cover of the book. Yep. So you're like, I I want the goat to win. Neither of us knew anything about this book. So we based it. We, we judged the book by its cover. We really did. 100% <laughs> we did. You liked the goat, and I picked the seven moons of Mali Amida, Amida because I thought that I really liked the abstract, colorful face that was on it. Um, so, But the, a winner was announced uh, in a London ceremony on October 17th, and the winner was... The Seven Moons of Molly Amida by Sheehan. And Sheehan, I respect you enough to not try to pronounce your last name because I'm not good with pronouncing last names. Um, but um, kudos to um, to him for winning that award. It's a, it, a huge honor to win this. Um, and I know that The Seven Moons does take place in Sri Lanka. So it's... Um, so yeah, so it's not really even a location or setting that we hear a lot about. So, um, so that was the 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 twenty twenty two Booker Prize went to the Seven Moons. It's probably one of our last um, book awards of the year, isn't it? Which I is believe crazy, so. I think yeah, because now we'll be moving uh, into all the books of the year. I of course yeah, yeah. I've already seen that Waterstones have got their shortlist for their book of the year up. Mm, yep. All right, what else? What else we got going on? Uh, okay, so uh, we mentioned this before on um, on here about the Sandman adaptation that came to Netflix uh, about a few months ago now. Um, but now we've just had it announced literally a few days ago that they have renewed it. Um, they've been renewed by Netflix for a second season, um, which is really good news. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Holly probably hasn't seen it still because she doesn't watch anything. <laughs> Until it's been about six months. So you should probably see it in about March time. Yeah. yeah, Wow. You have me pegged. Uh, Yeah. I I, I don't watch things until like Liz has had the opportunity to nag me about it for, yeah, about six months. And then I'll, then I'll, I'll get around to watching it, but I hear it's really good. So uh, it is really good. Yeah. And, and um, the main guy does a brilliant job of playing uh, the Prince of, dreams and nightmares so yeah they definitely would recommend it i mean we've, we've done this enough times i know you by now holly I know. <laughs> uh, how long did it take me to watch shadow and bone you. i mean sorry that was about six months yeah <laughs> I, I won't wait six months now for season two because i've already watched season one so now i'm invested and i need to watch it okay so cool. I'll, I'll probably watch it when it comes out um nice. The last, the last little thing is we never really talked about it. I don't think when it happened. Um, mm-hmm. but the Satanic Verses author, um, uh, Salman Rushdie, he he was attacked in New York about two months ago when he was getting ready to give um a, a speech. Uh, and you know he's he's been in the limelight of controversy since he wrote the book. Um. And, you know, he's had lots of death threats made to him over the years. And, you know, whether you agree with what he writes or what he doesn't, he was brutally, brutally attacked. He was stabbed in the neck, stabbed in the chest. Um, and as more is coming to light about what his injuries were because not a lot was released immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do now know that um, he, he – 
due to his his injuries, um, he has lost sight in one of his eyes uh, due to the the stabbings that occurred in his neck and the nerves that were damaged and severed. He's lost he's lost use of one of his hands. So he, you know, this was, this is a pretty sad, devastating thing to have happen to you, to him. Um, and, you know, we talk a lot in the past about book banning and censorship and people saying, you can't read this, you can't read that. Again, read what you want. Don't agree with people if you don't want to, but nobody has the right to attempt to kill someone over a book, period. I'm sorry. I mean, yes, he is the he's the kind of epitome of why we need freedom of speech because so he wrote this book back in I think it's the 80s or 70s 80s like mm-hmm. and yeah 80s um Iran actually put on what's called a fatwa basically saying kill this person and we'll mm-hmm. give you money mm-hmm. um and it's never been officially lifted so the the president said. Uh, the president of Iran did say, oh, it's been lifted, but it was never officially done. So people, especially religious leaders in that country, are still like, yeah, if you see him, try and assassinate him. And it's just, it's awful. The amount of times that this guy has been, um, that's had an attempted assassination on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, it's like he's a cat. <laughs> he does. <laughs> and I believe he's like, he's in his 70s, I believe, as well. Um yeah, yeah, he is 70. older, isn't he? Let me have a look. I thought he was 75. He's 75. Yeah, he's 75. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, you know. Very sad. Thoughts are with him. Hope he gets better. And um, so, um, all right, then to wrap up this quick little segment here. All right. Um, New York Times bestseller list. So, Liz, probably not a surprise to you. Um, but we do know that uh, about a week and a half ago, um, Coho released her newest book. So surprise, it's still number one. <laughs> so no, I, never, I, really? I know, so and horror. she's back into the monopoly as well. So she has the number one, the number three, and the number five this week. So um, it starts with us, remains at number one. It ends with us is at number three, and Verity is hanging in there at number five um the only new book this week was been, go ahead what i was just gonna say it would have been funnier if it ends with us was number five because then okay. you could have like it begins with us it ends with us and then verity in the middle that would be funny it would have been quite funny yeah, yeah. Uh, but alas no <laughs> <laughs> um which makes sense though because it starts with us as the sequel so to it ends yeah. with us so um yeah exactly so everyone's gonna be buying that one so the new book this week is No Plan B by Lee and Andrew Child. It comes in at number two. And then to round out the top five at number four is John Grisham's Boys from Biloxi, which um, entered the, the list last week. Uh, but not surprising because of Halloween just ending uh, this past week, the young adult hardback that is still number one. Uh, it's been lingering between uh, number one and number two for the last 13 weeks is Long Live the Pumpkin Paint. Pumpkin Queen. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know what that was. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if it remains in the top um, now that the, the, the spooky season is over. So there is your... Know. I mean, one of us is 
Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, one of us is lying as it, it hasn't been up to number one for a while. So mm-hmm. it's about due to have a comeback, isn't it? I, I think so. <laughs> so, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks what's, what's happening with it. Um, all right. So there is your up-to-date what's happening. We're going to take a quick be- break, and then we're going to be back, and we're going to talk a little bit about one of our spooky reads we read while we get ready for our author interview. All right, welcome back. So uh, we're just going to take a couple minutes to talk about um, one of the books that we both read uh, during October. You know, it's it's October, it's Halloween, it's spooky season. You know, we both like to kind of read a combination of creepy, scary books as well as those like witchy, cozy, fun rom-coms that are set during the holiday season. But one of the books that we both read was Stolen Tongues by Felix Blackwell. Um, it was one that had been recommended to me a while ago, and when we were going to do our last podcast book club, it was one of the options between Stolen Tongues and Just Like Home, and obviously we went with Just Like Home. So we went back on our own and read Stolen Tongues. So, um, so I finished it first, and then Liz, you finished it, and as I was reading it, I kept kind of like, telling people and posting and commenting about like how creepy it was. Um, so Liz, what were your, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I completely agree. It was a really creepy read. I'd say it's probably, it was probably my favorite read of, of November. Um, it was a, a sort of book that you just couldn't put down. They, they did really well at building kind of the tension Um and they kept on leaving it on for a freaking cliff- cliffhanger. It's one of those ones where you have to keep reading because every single time you try and stop, something happens and you're like, oh, what the- what's going on now? What's going on now? Um, but no, I, the writing was really good. Mm-hmm. I really liked the setting. Um, it was altogether just really good book, I thought. And the creepy level was, yeah. It yeah. made you feel very uncomfortable at times. And I love the, the stuff was just like, oh. Yeah, and I love the characters. And, you know, in the setting, it did split. It split between mm. their home and, like, you know, a suburban kind of metropolitan area um, where you don't really think that the creepy stuff would happen. But the other half of the book does take place in a very isolated mountain cabin. It's freezing. It's snowy. They kind of, like, get snowed in. Um, all of the, the settings for the creepy things, but I think what was really mm. creepy is the stuff that was happening in that cabin and in the, the surrounding woods on the mountain <sighs> followed them home. And, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, we're going to get out of the setting. It, it, it's just like, you know, um, you leave where the stuff is happening and you assume you're going to get away from it, but it actually, because it's like more of like this, like, I, I don't like supernatural kind of thing is yeah. able to follow you. It's it like literally is. And I think this is one of the things I said early on in the book. It's like, um, it's like a house built on an Indian burial ground. And, you know, there very much is some connection because there is a native tribe that lives in the mountains that they seek help from. And, mm-hmm. um, and I love those characters, like Nathan and um, T-Way. Yeah. They, they were fantastic characters. And um, they, they were caring, they were compassionate. And I think that that's – it sucked because we liked them. 
They were, yeah, I really liked that Nathan and Tiwe. Um, they were written really well, and they were just like really nice kind of supporting characters. I mean, sometimes you get supporting characters where you just think they were just put there for no reason, but these ones, they actually had a purpose, and they kind of helped move the story along. But yeah, no, the scariest thing was definitely the the log cabin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as it is, it's your stereotypical scary location. Um, Stephen King and other writers have used it many times because an abandoned log cabin in the middle of the woods being snowed in is your typical scary scene. Mm-hmm. I'd be pretty scared if, if that <laughs> happened to me. Um, and then add on top of it all these other scary things going on. Yeah. And like, then, like, obviously, there's some things we can mention that won't be spoilers, such as the dream catcher. Oh. oh. That was. Super creepy. You know, super and I creepy. and I, I don't think I was super <laughs> creeped out by it when, when um, we first saw it in the in the when they were in the mountains. I think what creeped yeah. me out is when he saw yeah. another dream catcher at home, like in the woods surrounding his house at mm-hmm. home. That creeps me out, and I'm like, oh. Uh, but but yeah, yeah. But also that was because of the material used mm-hmm. to make that one, and it's just like it's just like. Yeah, it's just it's the idea that these things are following, you know, and and it's not really a spoiler because it's it's you know you you hear this on like in the the blurbs of the book, but while they're up at the cabin at the beginning of the book, they hear these noises. They hear like the sounds of of, of people um, calling out to them from the woods. They hear like children crying. They hear like all these disembodied voices surrounding them. Um, but that's mm-hmm. just how it starts with just the voices. Then you begin to escalate throughout to begin to, um, see that they're not always disembodied voices that, uh, yeah. th- there's just, there's just like, then like the, the, the shadows that you see moving outside the dark window and <sighs> the footprints you see yeah. in the snow circling the house and walking back and like, and leading back into the forest and, there's just so many little things um, that just it, it, and for me, supernatural stuff like that creeps me out. It doesn't scare me like I wasn't scared, but it was definitely creepy. And supernatural stuff is what creeps me out. Yeah, I think it was the one thing that did make it especially creepy is that it wasn't in your face horror kind of jump scare style it was all the little kind of small details it was the little kind of subtle hints and subtle suggestions that kind of built up and started making you feel like on edge and think okay this isn't right something's going on what's going on yeah it's all those little kind of background information that you may not notice at first and then you start seeing more and more yeah and, and then like- you realize that this, this, yeah this isn't right and then, and then everything with Faye, his fiance, because it's like these, 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 the supernatural, these voices, this whatever they are, are mm. able to, in many ways, kind of possess her while she sleeps. And there are those like exorcist moments, like when she's like I, the descriptions of her like sleepwalking during the night and the things she does and the things she says is like, it's like, like you think about the, yeah. So the, the main guy in the book is named Felix, just like the author. 
Um, so it's Felix and Faye. And so like Felix is having to watch his fiance go through these experiences at night, sleepwalking, yeah. acting possessed, all of the stuff. And so then they're, they're also going on like lack of sleep. And you know that whenever you're doing a lack of sleep, you're more susceptible to all sorts of things. So oh, that yeah. just added to it. So it, yeah, so it was just, and, and, everything built up yeah but there was also that mystery like there was a reason that this mm. entity whatever was so intrigued in getting um and getting to Faye. and it's like part of the yeah. the, the the hook of the book was what is it about Faye oh, that they needed to find out that was emotional yeah obviously we're not going to say what it is but nope. that was emotional yeah also, I hate her, her parents. Her oh, parents are hated them. People hate them with a passion. Like, how could anybody, anybody? They lied, you know, to them as yeah. adults. They lied they to her as a child. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's okay. You you, you just go off to to this um, cabin where bad things may or may not happen to you. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like what? Tell them. Oh my god. And why? Why? Why did they think it was a good idea to let them go to the cabin? Like, because they're, they're idiots. It's mm-hmm. just bad parenting. Horrible parenting. <laughs> the most ridiculous parenting. Um, you know, and and the ending, the ending is very like gives you lots of good closure. I think that it was a little, almost too simple of a closure at the end. Like they're just like, okay, we're done. Um. But mm. but it did give you closure. It, it did seal up with a nice, yeah, pretty bow at the end is... of the book. No, I do agree. It it, did, it was a little bit rushed at the end, um, like certain events that I just felt, I mean, it was more the shock factor. It was like, this happens, and then suddenly it goes on to the next thing. Like yeah. some of the most, some of the worst events, which I hated, and that was so sad. Um, it happened too quickly. It just, and then they just, that's it. Yeah. Move on kind of thing. Yeah. I will I say. I couldn't move on. <laughs> you got to move on. Um, but no. one of my absolute favorite characters was Carrot the Parrot. <laughs> Carrot was awesome. Carrot was, yeah. Carrot but, was okay. Just so. Pretty awesome. I. Like I said, the book didn't scare me. There were moments that creeped me out. But I think what creeped me out the most was when you have this parrot who we know parrots, you know, they're trained. They repeat things. They're they're taught to say certain things. So Mm -hmm. when you hear a parrot say something that you know they probably weren't trained by people to say, and it's like, um, you know, he's in the hallway. Don't let him in. He's in the hallway. Don't let him in. It's like... Holy crap! Like that—that that sends chills down my back. I'm like, don't open the door! Don't open the door! Yeah, um, that is why I never want a parrot. I, I absolutely right. never want to get a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, who is talking to this parrot, and why does this parrot know that there's something in the hallway? <laughs> so yeah, so that was, oh, and and, and honestly. That's how the book kind of starts off. Like it starts off, like mm. you know, right, right into the the midst of it all. Oh, good gotcha. yeah. Right in the middle. It was, it was, yeah. It was a big kind of big bang for the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then it just doesn't really stop. 
I, it was really good pacing, I felt. Like, there was no scenes that I just felt, oh, come on, hurry up, get on with it kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't really think it was, there was two slower paces, slower kind of chapters at all. Yeah. I mean, there were moments where the pacing was good, but there was moments where I felt like it was like, it was almost like the same stuff was happening every night. Um, That's true, yeah. But what, what was good to help break that monotony up a little bit were the things that they were trying to do, like – you know, mm. you know, reaching out to, to Angela and Nathan and T-Way and, you know, and doing different things and talking to different people and going different places, trying to figure out, yeah. like, what was going on? How do they stop this? Because obviously they didn't want to live their whole lives like this. Um, you know, no one was sleeping. She was being tormented. Like, I did, I did like kind of that process of it. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. So, Definitely agree. But overall, it was a great spooky book. So if you haven't read it, put it on your list for creepy horror books um, because it, I thought it was a great a great October read. No, I completely agree. Um, it was a really good creepy read. So yeah, that it that is Stolen Tongues by Felix Blackwell. Yeah. Uh, last thing before we have Jason on the show. Uh, we'll just go through our usual new and upcoming releases. So just a few this month. Um, we've got Now Is Not The Time To Panic by Kevin Wilson. That's coming out in the US on November 8th and 15th of November for the UK. Uh, Gleanings by Neil Tustman, which we are both very excited about as it is part of the Scythe series. Um, it's short stories, I believe, isn't it? Short stories about about the Scythe. Yeah, I, I, they might be. I don't know if they're like short stories or if they're more like little mini novellas. Like an anthology. Yeah. Yeah. And that is coming out in America on the 8th of November and the UK on the 10th of November. So only a few more days left. Um, and finally, we've got Heart of the Sun Warrior by Sue Lin Tan. And this is the sequel to The Daughter of the Moon Goddess. Um, I have the book, the first one, but I haven't read it yet. It's one of those fairy leap books, which I have only read probably about two or three books out of. By now, I've probably got about 12, 15 books from then <laughs> um, from the fairy leap monthly box. So I will get to it at some point. But that comes out um, in the US on the 15th of November and in the UK on the 10th of November. So, again, we've got very kind of uh, – just set dates. Everything in the UK is coming out either on the 10th or 15th. Mm-hmm. And in the US, it seems to be the 8th and the 15th. Yeah, so this this week is a big a big be... release week. Yeah. Mm, big, big yeah. release. Yeah. So, yeah, that is all of our new and upcoming releases. Awesome. All right. Well, then we're going to take our last little break. And when we come back, we will be joined by um, Jason Rukulik. And we will start talking about hidden pictures. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, we are so excited to be back and to welcome Jason uh, Rukulik with us. He is the author of the best-selling um, novel, Hidden Pictures, which if you haven't read it, you've got to pick it up and you've got to make sure that you have a copy of the book that allows you to see the pictures um, because obviously Hidden Pictures, there are pictures to be looked at. Um, so Jason, is uh, he has worked for many years as a publisher of Quirk Books, an independent press headquarters 
headquartered in Philadelphia, where he edited more than a dozen New York Times bestsellers. His debut novel, The Impossible Fortress, was a finalist for the Edgar Award, and his new novel, the best-selling Hidden Pictures, is currently being translated into 25 languages and countries across the world. And this is my favorite part. Um, it is also being adapted into a feature film by Netflix, and Jason himself is writing the screenplay. He lives in Philadelphia with his wife and family. I, before we start, am so excited to see this adaptation because, you know, as anyone who loves reading and loves books, like as, as I read, I, I picture it in my head and there's just so much in hidden pictures, um, that you create, but it's, it's paralleled with the pictures that are provided to you, um, by, by little Teddy. So, Jason, just to get us started, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing? Um, sure. Well, I mean, I've always been, you know, I, I've always been writing um, since I was a kid. You know, I was one of these kids who was drawing comics in school and, you know, making little comic books, stapling them together and selling them for like 10 cents, like that kind of thing. And... Um, and then I guess when I was around 20, I started really seriously like applying myself thinking, okay, I'm actually going to try to do this seriously. And I, and I, and I started like writing like in a dedicated way, like every day I get up early or stay up late or, you know, well, it was easier when I was 20, honestly. Um, <laughs> Everything's you know, easier when you're 20. Um, but then, you know, once I got older and married and had kids, I would, you know, uh, I was, I was working a day job, you know, so I would have to just carve out time. And, um, and I probably wrote for like 20 years without publishing anything. I mean, a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I enjoy it. I like, I liked it. Like I, I, it was never, and it was always my favorite time of the day. Um, and I felt like I was getting better. Did you um, did you find that you do you write better at night or in the mornings? Well, now I write in the morning. Like I try oh. to make it the first thing I do. I try to like you know grab a cup of coffee and just go. Um, so, but when I was younger, I did it at night. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe my biological rhythm. I mean, you know, the thing is, when, once you have kids, like everything <laughs> changes. So you know, you're up at six thirty in the morning to get them out to school. So. Um, I don't know. Somehow I shifted into this morning pattern and I've been stuck with ever since. Awesome. So, so when you are writing kind of who or or what inspires you in your writing, do you have any particular authors that particularly inspire you? Um, I like a lot of different authors. I try to read as widely as I can. I'll read anything, all different kinds of books, fiction, nonfiction. Um, so I don't know that there's any like, author in particular that I look to. Um, but I mean, I do read a lot of uh, suspense novels. Mm. Like that's sort of like my go-to genre, like suspense, thrillers, mystery, a little bit of horror. Um, but I like everything. I, I read legal thrillers. Matthew Perry has a memoir out now, the the Friends actor. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to read I, I want to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I want the drama. Uh, exactly. 
and then Kevin Wilson has a book coming out on Tuesday. I love him. He wrote that book, Nothing to See Here. So I'll buy that like the day it comes out. Yeah. It's like a huge fan of his stuff. And the, I'm curious to read. Uh, now's not a time to panic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one too. I think that one's good. Sound good. So, yeah. so what are you I currently reading at the moment? Uh, right now I'm rereading a book I read a few years ago called Defending Jacob by William Landay. Um, legal thriller, really good. So, so, so good. Okay. Uh, if you haven't read it, great story about family. Um, it's about this lawyer and his son who's in the eighth grade is accused. There's a boy who dies in the town. He's like just murdered. And, um, and his son gets accused of the murder and his son is in the eighth grade. And he's like, well, of course my son didn't do it. You know, yeah. man, it is good. Um, I'm not like a big legal thriller person, but this book is like more about family mm-hmm. and um, so, so, so good. I don't think he's written a book since it came out. And I kind of wonder if he's working on something because it was a pretty big success um, when it came out like eight years ago. Hmm. So okay. speaking about family, so I, I do want to dive into Hidden Pictures. Um really want to hear some of like your your inspirations for that book so you talked about the book you're currently reading isn't really as much about the legal aspects as it is about the family aspects so there is a huge family aspect in hidden pictures um whether it's positive negative like there's all different types of dynamics with family and the families that are created and forced or whatever um so you have Mallory. So she's a, to me, she's a fascinating character because she, she is your protagonist, but she's, she's very flawed. Um, and she has her own issues that she's bringing into a very kind of weird, complicated, um, family situation. So why did you create her the way you did? What was, what was so important about her being developed the way you developed her? Well, I mean, I think I arrived at the story before I arrived at Mallory. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Can we, we? I guess I shouldn't talk spoilers. Like, I shouldn't say how the book ended. Cause- <laughs> yeah. We try not to give away too many spoilers. <laughs> yeah. So I knew, I knew, let's just say this. I knew everything that happened in the book before I started writing. Okay. And. So once I knew the essence of the story, I knew I needed a certain kind of protagonist to like work within the story. And I knew the protagonist would have to be someone who is very vulnerable because she is a sort of fish out of water. I wanted her to be out of her element and unsure of herself the whole time. That's really common in thrillers. You know, you'd have a protagonist who's just sort of like overmatched and, and, and overwhelmed. And, um, and, uh, I thought it would be fun if, you know, there was the potential of her being unreliable, um, which is another common trope in these kinds of thrillers. Um, and then the last thing is that I didn't, you know, I, I wanted her to be, um, I wanted all of this experience to like have like a personal meaning for her and to like, I wanted her to be a different person at the end of this book. So I had to think about, okay, well, where is she at the start of this book? You know, <laughs> because if the character doesn't change, um, then, what's the point like why why did we watch this story um or why did we read the story and so um without getting the specifics the, the that's sort of 
how I like backed in. I almost like backed into it based on like all the other parameters that I knew about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, well, she needs to be X, Y, and Z. Does that make sense? It does. So then my follow-up then to that is so um, so you had – so you, you kind of started with the story versus starting with the characters. So the story itself is is there's a couple – there's a couple twists to it. Um, you do have like the almost uh, uh, the only way to really describe it is more of like a supernatural kind of twist to it, um, mm-hmm. and then you have the 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 big big twist at the end. Where where did that inspiration for the story come from? Yeah. Well, I mean, I should probably back up. The real the whole reason this book existed is. Because I knew um, I had these two friends who were illustrators. Right? Will and uh, one guy's name is Will. The other guy's name is Doogie. It's been his nickname since childhood. Um, and they're just super talented. I've known them for a long time, and they're amazing designers. They're great illustrators, and I wanted to do. Um, and I had worked with them when I worked in publishing on like a lot of like kids books. lot of illustrated nonfiction and after I left that job and I was by myself I missed those collaborations because they're so much fun to work with so I went to them and I said I want to write a novel I'm going to write a novel it's going to be a mystery there's going to be illustrated clues and I want you guys to draw the pictures and they said that sounds great what is it about and I said I don't know (laughs) Um, all I knew was that I knew four things about the pictures I knew that I knew I wanted someone in the story to be creating the pictures. I didn't want them to be like decorative, like, like mm-hmm. the Hobbit or like Lord of the Rings. I wanted these pictures were going to be from the world of the story, um, reproduced in the book. Someone was going to be making them. Um, I thought it would be cool if they had clues so that you really had to look at them and like pay attention and not just like flip the pages, but you were sort of invited to like study them. I thought it would be great if they changed over the course of the book so you weren't looking at the same thing. I didn't want it to get like too boring. And then lastly, I knew that they would have to be a black and white because no publisher is going to want to do a full color novel, right? So I'm like, whoever's drawing these pictures is using a pencil or they're using a pen or maybe like a black crayon. Mm -hmm. So even though I didn't know any of the story, I did know a lot about the form of the book. It was kind of like, you know, knowing the rules of like a sonnet and then you have to go write a sonnet. Like I knew mm-hmm. like the parameters of this book and they were kind of rigid, you know, like I was going to start with pictures and they were going to change and I had other things locked in. Um, and so then I started, I, I spent about three months brainstorming different stories that were all pretty bad. Um, <laughs> and just a lot of really dumb ideas, you know, that I would like sort of come up with, throw it away, come up with, throw it away. And then finally I just, you know, I felt like divine inspiration. Like I just landed on this idea of, oh, what if it's a five-year-old drawing creepy pictures? Um, and I do like a lot of horror movies. I have such a horror movie trope. I was like, oh, that could be really fun. And then maybe there's a babysitter who's freaked out. And then I thought of like the turn of the screw, the Henry James mm. uh, novel. And I was like, oh, this would be like a very contemporary turn of the screw. I could like set it in the suburbs. You have this governess who, you know, everyone thinks is crazy. Um, the parents, you know, don't don't believe her. Um, and, uh, and that was sort of like the launching point for it, you know? And once I had like that kind of story with the structure of the pictures, um, 
and I knew the ending like almost immediately. Like, huh. all, all the big reveals at the end, like that just sort of like dropped yeah. into place pretty quickly. I was like, oh, that would be like the most surprising ending if, if that happened. Um, you know, then, then, then I was just off and running and, um, it took about nine months to write it, um, during the pandemic. So I had a lot of extra time. We all had extra time, right? Like I had extra time. The illustrators were working. They had extra time. Uh, and they would draw like in tandem as I would write chapters, I would give them chapters and then they would, you know, I'd be like, all right, I need a picture of a man dragging a body through a forest that looks like it was a five-year-old, you know? And then they would send me like 10 or 15 versions of these pictures. And, and that was great because it was an incentive. I had to work, right? Normally you're on like, you're only on a deadline with yourself, you know, uh-huh. but I knew that this book was not going to get done until they had all the pictures done. So I had to like go quickly. So, cause I'm like, well, they're going to be late. They're artists. They're never on time. Right. So I had to like get them pages as quickly as possible. So it was a good motivation for me to just work, work, work. And then every time they sent a picture, I would get so excited because like the art is incredible. And I was like, well, even if I don't really do like a great job, the art is going to be so good. People are going to enjoy this book. Even if I fail completely, the art will be so good. The book will be like, so, so, you know, like I can like, um, so it was a really fun process because like normally you're alone. Mm-hmm. in a room for yeah. a year or years. And this was, um, you know, very much a collaboration and just a lot more fun. And I know that, um, um, I want to say that you probably, if I can remember the number correctly, there was about what, like 250 total, um, yeah, illustrations. It, it was at least 300 and probably okay. more. Cause I, I didn't see everything. You know, I'm sure they didn't send me everything they did. Mm-hmm. Like the ones I saw are probably about 300. Um, which, you know, is a great lesson for anyone, any creative types listening. You know, I feel like illustrators are much better about this than writers. Like writers are loath to do like four or five drafts of a chapter, but like illustrators think nothing of doing like 10 versions of a drawing they're just like of course you would have to do 10 you know like that's just how it gets that's just how it happens you know (laughs) so how many different versions of Anya were there oh gosh I mean there were a like Anya the character who is sort of Teddy's imaginary friend Mm -hmm. um the sort of like ghoul that shows up in this book I have sketches of her like that look probably at least 25 like um, different versions of what, what she could look like. Um, and I think the illustrators would tell you, if you ask them, the challenge was, you know, it's tough because like it had to look kind of simple. It had to look like a five-year-old drew it, but it had to be scary. So you couldn't really have a lot of detail because five-year-olds uh-huh. can't do detail. So it had okay. to be simple and iconic, but also really creepy. Um, so pretty big, pretty cha- pretty big challenge, you know, um, there were a lot of versions where she sort of looked like a bedsheet ghost because that's really about like as good as it's can draw, yeah. you know? Um, and that wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to be scary. So, you know, and look, cause I'm, I'm flipping through the book right now, looking at some of the pictures and, um, you know, and looking at, I'll show you that. So you can see which one I'm looking at. Our listeners yeah, can't, right. but that's what one of the first, first pictures of Anya we see in the book um and it and it's it's great because you see all of like Teddy's little pictures which are your normal what you would expect a five-year-old to draw and then you're like oh cute like a little you know bird feeder and birds and oh he's he's riding a giant 
rabbit. And then you turn the page and it's like, it's there. It's just like in your face, bam. And, and she is scary. And I think the biggest thing is, is how the illustrators drew her face. And I think that's, that ultimately is what really created the, the creepiness of it. What was it about this image of Anya that you went with? Um, it, it just sort of like had all the right elements we were looking for. It was kind of creepy. It looked convincingly like kid-like. Um, it wasn't too complicated or, or detailed. Um, and you know, another thing we did in the book, we actually stole, um, this is a trick from graphic novels or comic books. If you talk to anybody who works in comic books, they do this thing where you save the surprises for the page turns. Um, because if you're leading up to like a big surprise, you want it to be when the person turns the page and it's always on the left, you know, it's never on the right. Um, so even once the book was in layout, I was like cutting art to make sure that like, like the picture you just showed, I wanted that to be, not that you really have like a jump scare in a book, but like, I kind of wanted it to like function like a surprise. Um, And so we did a lot of that with the layout, or as much as I could. Sometimes I just couldn't make it work because um, I was going to have to cut, like, a page of text to, like, get the picture where I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was part of the process, too, and that was actually um, a comic book technique. So, you know, that, that doesn't usually get ported over to novels too often. But Yeah. So when you were creating, um, obviously, these characters with the illustrators, did you have a clear image in your mind about which what each character would look like, or was it the case of kind of, they um, worked with you to, to create these te- like create a physical image of the characters. Um, you know, I I did not give them a lot of parameters. I I knew that anything I was going to visualize in my head would anything they did would be better than anything I could visualize with my own like limited visual <laughs> imagination. Like I found that anytime I work with good illustrators, they're always better than I mm. am. So I tried to give them. There's not a lot of description in the book about what people look like because uh-huh. I wanted them to just sort of like design the people as they wished. And um, and so that was really all, you know, so they read they read what I wrote and, and, and ran with it. You know, and it's, it, it's funny because you mentioned that there's not a lot of description of the characters in the books and there's not. And I guess I never really thought about that until you said it. But there is one area in which you do spend time describing, and it is with Teddy's clothing. Um, uh-huh. Like there, there is a lot of—I wouldn't say a lot, but there's a, more of a focus on Teddy's like striped clothes and what he's wearing than any other description of any character in the book. Was that intentional, or was that just something because of the what ends up, you know, yeah. happening in the plot? I mean. That- that was that was that was my attempt at a little foreshadowing mm. um, for certain things that you learn later okay. in the book. Um, also, modeled a little bit after my nephew, who only wears orange. He's older now, but, but when he was when he was eight, I think he just wore orange every day, oh, uh, and he would only wear orange. Like like orange everything or just like an orange shirt? Orange shirt. Okay. (laughs) Did he walk around looking like an orange? (laughs) She would go to like Target and buy like the same orange t-shirt. Well, I guess it makes getting dressed in the morning easy, but... Einstein did the same thing. I heard, you know, he just wore the same suit every day. Absolutely. Same kinds of suits. So 
So um, obviously at the beginning we heard that it's being, um, your new novel is being made into a Netflix um, adaptation, which is obviously massive news. Congratulations. Um, how far through are you? How has, it, has all the preparations just oh, started? Oh, it's still pretty early. No, no. I mean, they're, you know, they have not greenlit it, so it, it could never get made. I mean, if, if, in all likelihood, it probably never will get made because most things never get made. No! Um, so, you know, I'm trying to keep my expectations nice and low. Um, I did write a draft of the script, which they may or may not use. I mean, they may, you know, mm. they have, you know, my, my very limited understanding of this is that, you know, it will get rewritten a thousand times before the movie gets made. Um, a director will come on board and want changes. An actress will come on yeah. board and play Mallory. She will want changes. <laughs> um, and it will, and producers and, and studios and everyone will want changes. And at some point, they will not want me to make the changes because they'll say, oh, he's too close to the book. Let's bring in someone else, yeah. you know, um, which is all fine. Like, like it's, it's just how it happens. Um, and I have the book and the book will always be the book. And, mm. um, and so I'm kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, they haven't announced anything like, there have been no announcements, but they say, you know, the thing is you see things that get announced all the time and then they never get made. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are books that were optioned 15 years ago that still have never, um, they just never, they just get stuck. And I think these producers are smart to not announce it because um, they want to announce it when it's actually going to go before cameras. Yeah. Oh, it's about to start production kind of thing. So how did it all occur? Was it, did they approach you or... Did you know someone? Um, no. Well, so you mean the film rights? Yeah. Um, no. So my uh, agent works with a, another agent whose job is really just selling books to studios. And oh, so, okay. you know, anytime um, and, and, you know, and the industry is like full of scouts, too. And their job is to just sort yeah. of know like anytime there is like a, a particularly if there's like a competitive auction and a bunch of publishers are bidding for a manuscript. Um, you know, they get a log line, they see a one sentence description. And like with my book, it sounds like a movie already. It's like a little boy drawing creepy pictures, the <laughs> babysitter. And so of course, you know, people wanted to see it and, um, and then they made an offer and this was long before the book came out. Um, yeah. so, uh, wow. so they've had a lot of time to think about it. But there's so many ways it can go wrong. I mean, these executives get fired all the time, you know, and then your project becomes like orphan. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you better hope like the next person to have that job wants to do your project, but they probably won't. They're probably going to want to have their own projects that they want to do. Um, so it is a miracle anytime it happens. Um, and again, that's why I, I'm just trying to keep my expectations super low. I feel like if I can yeah. like write, and sell like six thrillers to movies. One of them will probably get made. Okay. Um, so, I mean, talking about about your writing, what's next? Are you currently writing anything new? Or yeah, I'm writing another thriller. Um, it's still, well, I don't know. I have like 150 pages. I'm. It's so it's another suspense novel. There's some similarities to pictures, but I mean, not really. Like there are no pictures in it. <laughs> <It's>, um, <laughs> there are no. There are no small children in it. Um, <laughs> but I think there are some, I don't know, it's very different, but I think there's, I think if you read it, it's going to sound like I wrote it. 
mean? Mm. <laughs> it's got your style in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm trying to figure out what it is that people are responding to because like I hear from people all the time who are like, "Wow, I read this book in like two days." Um, like, I know people read it really, really quickly, mm. but it's eighty-seven thousand words. Like, it's a normal length book. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the language is pretty straightforward. It's pretty clear. Um, I've heard writers talk about, I heard this one writer talk about how some writers write with like a clear glass window style where like they don't try to get their style in the way of the meaning of the sentence, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's why, why would you want to? You mm-hmm. know, like, of course, like, that, that is what, like the style should be like the absence of a style. You don't even know there's a style because you're yeah. just so focused on the story. But then there's other writers. I wish I could remember who said this. I thought it was so smart. He's like, they write with a kind of stained glass style where the, where the, where the, the style is almost like a stained glass window. And it's sort of like, it's this overlay on the story. And they're using like language in a way that's like beautiful and interesting and a little distracting, right? Cause like you're mm-hmm. focusing more on like the language as opposed to like maybe the, the plot that's or right. something like that. Um, and I think those books also take a little longer to read. They just require like a little more, um, concentration and focus. They can be like mm-hmm. denser. And that's not something that I really would have like any kind of aptitude for. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. But, um, so I don't know that I'm ever going to write like a sentence that ends up like on a t-shirt, you know, uh, in an Etsy shop. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do try to like, I don't know. I, I still think like, I try to write sentences that are like propulsive and, and not just sort of like empty, like junk food. Like I've read books that I hate. I hate books with like short three word sentences and like one word paragraphs. Those drive me crazy. Um, <laughs> like I feel like these people are just like filling pages. Um, so I don't know. I'm just sort of rambling now. <laughs> <laughs> but I love your rambling. It's very insightful. Well, okay, so kind of talked a bit about your style and kind of what you don't like. When you're writing, and I'm sure that, you know, no matter what you do for, you know, a living, whether you're writing or, or doing anything else, there's 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 pieces to it that you struggle with. So what is your writing kryptonite? Oh, boy. Um, my writing kryptonite, I mean, I kind of... I kind of, I like to know what I'm doing. I don't know how to explain it better than that. But like, if, if I sit down to write a scene and I don't know like what's happening in the scene, I can't like, I can't just make it up. I sort of have to sit down beforehand and just sort of like think to myself, okay, what am I doing here? Who's here? What are they trying to do? Why is this happening? I can't just sort of have somebody walk into a room and just sort of make it up as I go along. Okay. Um, uh, that that like never works for me so um i kind of it's not to say i work from an outline all the time but certainly before i write anything i sort of begin with like an outline of like what i'm trying to do if i, if I don't know i i would just write garbage <laughs> so, okay so, go ahead liz you're probably gonna ask the same question i'm gonna ask <laughs> So are you more of a kind of a planner than a, a like a writing by the seat of your pants kind of guy? So yeah. with regards to your writing process. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And, you know, part of the reason I wrote for 20 years without publishing anything is because I was not planning enough. That I'm certain of. Um, mm. I know people work both ways and some people have great success with either way. But for me, I sort of had this false understanding that I somehow picked up when I was really young that that planning was not creative. You know, that the, the, the creative way to work was just to sit down at the table and follow the story wherever it led you. And I followed that misguided philosophy for, for like 10 years and I would paint myself into corners all the time. So it's not like I was submitting things and mm-hmm. getting rejected. I was writing things and I was like, this is not submittable. This makes no sense. This is, this is garbage. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where this story is going. And I would, I would stop and it would end up like under my bed in a box, like a failed <laughs> novel. And I would do that again and again and again and again. And then fortunately for me, what really saved me was simultaneously, like in my day job, when I was at um, this tiny publishing house in Philly, we'd sort of moved into fiction. And I started talking about other people's novels. And we were working on a lot of stuff like that was like on spec, like they, the books weren't written yet. And we would talk to the author about the story in its entirety. And we would talk about like arcs of characters. And I started thinking about novels like in a big picture, sort of bird's eye view sort of way. And, you know, in the same way that like a, a, a screenwriter would go into like a Hollywood pitch meeting and pitch the whole story before a word of the script is written. They know the whole story. They know where the character starts and where the character ends. Um, I started thinking about novels that way at work. And then once I like shifted that approach to my own work, then I started actually finishing things. Right? <laughs> so I would like, I would, I, once I, I, I would just, I would just demand that I knew how a story was going to end before I started writing it, um, mm. which I thought was not creative, but in fact, I think it can be as creative as just sort of, you know, going by the seat of your pants. So you have, so do you write down those things or do they just sit and percolate in your head while you're writing? No, I write, I write them down. Um, you know, like with Hidden Pictures, I knew the ending and I, I wrote it down. I'm like, this is where the story is going to end. Okay. Um, I wanted, there's a lot of fairy tale stuff in the book. And I was like, oh, the ending should be like Hansel and Gretel. I want like these two young people to be running off into the woods away from <laughs> you know, a witch. And, um, and that's where that's like, that should be the climax of like this fairy tale, you know. Okay, so there is one question which we ask um, any author that comes on the podcast, um, which is, for any aspiring authors out there, what advice, what's the best bit of advice you can give them? Um, hmm. i got to come up with a stock answer for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's a stock question. <laughs> <laughs> the best advice I ever heard... This is not my advice. This is R.L. Stein, the children's writer. He's like, I don't give advice. Yeah. He he would say, he had such a great answer for this. He said, you know, the people who want to do it are going to do it, and nothing, no amount of like discouragement is going to stop them. You can discourage them; they're going to keep going, and they can get rejected a hundred times; they're going to keep going. And there's countless examples of people who've done that. Um, the flip side of this is that, is that the people who aren't going to make it, no amount of encouragement is going to get them <laughs> to make it. You know, like you just yeah. have like you. And so someone's listening to this and you just know it. You just know you're going to do it. And it doesn't matter if people mm. say no, you're just like, well, they're wrong. I'm going to do it. Um, 
And I remember I felt that way like during the 20 years that I wasn't getting published, but I was writing all the time. I was like, you know, I know I haven't figured this out yet, but I like it and I enjoy it and I'm not going to stop. Um, so I don't know if any of that sounds familiar. I actually think you're on the right track. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I have kind of one just final question, um, and it's really it, it really is to kind of wrap up Hidden Pictures because that that right now is it's all over the place. It's super popular. Like I read it over the summer and I saw it everywhere. It's super popular in the month of October. It was a it was a great October spooky season reads. I you know it it the popularity of it hasn't really died down any. So. Uh, knowing, knowing that it's, it's so popular right now, what do you hope people take away from the book? Um, yeah, I mean, it really is meant to be like entertainment. I, I mean, I, I, I like to me, like it's, it's my favorite, it's, it's like my favorite kind of story in the world. I just like suspenseful stories with surprises. Like it's just, uh, and I guess if people enjoy the story, that's all I want them to take away from it. You know, I mean, there's no larger meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think it's a pretty hopeful, optimistic book. Um, like I think people are surprised by like how um, I don't know. Like I think people are just like, "Wow, this book is fun," and I'm like, "Well, yeah." Like, <laughs> right? like this. <laughs> These things started out as like entertainment. They're supposed to be fun, uh-huh. you know, and surprising. And um, so, to me, like when I when I hear from readers who are just like, "Wow, this was really fun. I really enjoy this. This made me happy." Um, mm-hmm. That's there's like nothing better, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's all. That's all I want. I'm not trying to change anybody's worldview about anything. <laughs> um, I'm just. It's it's just trying to be good quality entertainment, um, which I think is hard to find. I'm disappointed by. We watched a movie last night. It was awful. You know? Well, now I want to know what it is. What did you watch? Yeah, you guys, you gotta tell us oh, now. <laughs> I feel bad saying this, um, but I'll, I'll say it. It it was this movie. It was on Peacock, which is like a streaming service. Uh-huh. It was called Meet, Meet Cute. It had like Pete Davidson in it, and. Hmm. Um, the actress's name it was kind of like a groundhog day they were on a first date but it was groundhog day so like it repeated over and over the first date they're on the same first date over and over Uh-oh. which is kind of a fun premise i'm like i'm like okay i'm here for that you know, it's, <laughs> it's friday night my wife and i are sitting down i had insisted that she watch barbarian for halloween which is a very scary movie ah uh, was was that good because my husband and i keep talking about going to see that one barbarian's amazing Okay. Um, you should definitely watch it. Don't read anything about it. Just watch it cold. Okay. It's full of surprises. It's on HBO. Um, but I, as I, you know, in return, since she agreed to watch that, um, and she did enjoy it, but it was, it's very harrowing. Um, I said, okay, let's watch, let's watch some rom-coms, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what a sport. And so, um, which I love too. I mean, I, I love like a good, um, I mean, I, the good ones are super, super fun, but mm-hmm. there are some bad ones. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know. The one we saw last night, it just had some problems. I feel bad <laughs> saying that. I don't want to say anything bad about anybody's work. but anyway. Yeah, but um, I mean, it's just like. sounds a bit hit and miss. 
already. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with books. Like, you know, some people are going to love books that other people don't connect with. And, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Um, all right. Well, Jason, you know, can't wait to see what happens with Hidden Pictures as as it continues in popularity. And, and we'll be watching to see um, what happens with the Netflix adaptation because I want so badly to see these characters come to life on the screen. Um, and you know, just, I like in my mind in those scenes where Teddy is just sitting there, just like frantically drawing his pictures. Like, like I just, I want to see that suspense and that tension come, come to, come to light. So, um, we always do, we end our show with a very fun either or speed round, um, that we don't let any of our guests get out of. So we're gonna we're gonna put you put you through the ringer. We do we do it as well. Um, it's simply ten either or questions. You pick one. You don't explain it. We are very bad about that, and I fail at my own rules every single week because I try to defend my answers. But I'm I every week I say I'm not going to, and I'm going to follow my rules. Um, so this week is a horror thriller kind of theme. So I'll I'll read. And then we'll go around. Jason, you'll go first, and then Liz, and then me, and then we just go through it really quick for the 10. Sound good? Okay. Ready. All right. Here we go. All right. First one. Would you rather watch TV documentaries or listen to a podcast? TV documentaries. TV documentaries. TV documentaries. <laughs> um, gothic horror or supernatural horror? Supernatural. I'm going to give gothic horror. I'm going to go supernatural. Would you rather be in a snowed-in cabin in the mountains or uh, at a secluded lake in the forest? I think the lake in the forest. Mm, Yeah, lake in the forest. I agree as well. (laughs) I love this one. Would you rather be in the movie (laughs) Saw or in the movie Friday the 13th? Friday the 13th. Has to be Friday the 13th. Absolutely has to be. Um, Would you rather be in a Stephen King novel or in an Edgar Allan Poe story? Oh, Stephen King, definitely. Yeah, Stephen King. I'm going to go Poe. I'm going to go Poe. Serial killer or mass murderer? Now, this isn't asking if you would be one, just which one. (laughs) Serial killer? <laughs> mm, I'm going to go serial killer. I'm going to go serial killer as well. Um, scary images or scary videos? Uh, videos. 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 Um, possessed houses or possessed animals? Houses. Animals. I'm going to go animals. Um, so this one's kind of similar. Uh, cursed or possessed? Cursed. Yeah, I'm going to go cursed. I'm going to go cursed as well. And the final one, <laughs> just a caveat, <laughs> this was Liz's. <laughs> Would you rather be the killer or be the victim? <laughs> oh, God. Uh... That's why we saved it for the last one, Jason. <laughs> I guess I would be the killer. 
killer. <laughs> yeah, I think I choose to be the killer. <laughs> I, I would have to choose the killer because I wouldn't want to be the one who's dead. <laughs> Uh, all right, Jason, thank you for playing along. I told you we got a little uh, loopy on here. Um, oh, sure, Holly, it was fun. <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, we thank you so much, Jason, for, for joining us and talking about Hidden Pictures. If you just want to tell everyone where they can find you online. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I have an Instagram account. It's my name. Um, that's That's probably where I am the most. Okay. Liz, what about you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Lizzie's Little Booknick. Um, you can also find my website, Lizzie's Little Booknick.co.uk. And Holly, how about you? Um, I am on Instagram at AZ Desert Bookworm. And then I have my website, which is just tinyurl.com slash desert bookshelf. Um, so we hope that everybody has enjoyed our episode today. And um, learning a little bit more about Jason and Hidden Pictures. We will be back. Um, our next episode will drop on December 5th, and it is our next book club episode where we will be dis- discussing Just Like Magic by Sarah uh, Hogel. So until then, we hope that you read lots of good books, talk about lots of books, and enjoy the next couple of weeks. Until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.